Welcome to Clarified Butter, the podcast about meals, memories, and milk fats. I'm your host, Amy Allen. When I was a senior in high school, my family spent Thanksgiving on Ocracoke Island with my dad's best friend from high school and a bunch of their musician friends. It was my first time being at the beach off-season, and I remember the cold gusts of salt air and retreating into corners to read Pride and Prejudice, and I remember the meal. It was a big potluck and oyster roast. I learned how to shuck oysters and flinchingly slurp them down. There was a turkey and a generous array of sides and salads and desserts and a big pot of my dad's famous gumbo. After I'd eaten so much I couldn't move, the instruments came out. The house that had been bubbling with the hubbub of cooking and eating and conversation all day burst into a common song. Fiddles and guitars and full-bellied harmonies kept us there together long after the meal was over. In my experience, food and music are two of the most gracious ways to welcome someone into your community and invite them to stay, something our guest today knows very well. Libby Rodenbow is a fiddle player for the band Mipso, a critically acclaimed indie Americana quartet. She is also a longtime friend of mine, having grown up just blocks away and gone all through school together. But these days, Mipso's success has kept her on the road, touring across the country. So as you're touring, have you found a city or a place that has food that you love? Yes. Yeah. Many, many, many. <clears throat> we actually recently made a poster that looks like a tour poster, uh-huh. but it's just a list of different taco restaurants that we like. <laughs> nice. It, but it's in the layout of a tour poster, uh-huh. but instead of having a date, it just has the place and the name of the, the restaurant. The name of the taco restaurant. <laughs> and it has a big, like, sloppy taco graphic on mm-hmm. it. So we like tacos a lot, and mm-hmm. so um, we all go to any any recommended taco spots. Mm-hmm. Um, which, and I don't, now I'm trying to think of like some of our favorite ones, but all, another place that has incredible food mm-hmm. is Portland, Maine. Oh, really? If super, like every restaurant we've eaten at there is amazing and it's not that big of a city. So it's mm-hmm. sort of miraculous how many delicious restaurants they have. Yeah. They have this place called, um, Paimen Miyaki, I think it's called, uh-huh. which is a ramen place. Oh, yum. And it's so incredible. I never really knew what ramen was. <laughs> I mean, it's, aside from top ramen. <laughs> yeah. Until we went Which there. I called top ramen, I think, until college. Yeah. Because my mom did. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. That was not a part of the cuisine of my household. No. Nor was much. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, that's one of my favorite places to eat. We do, I mean... I would say, like, aside from the music part, mm-hmm. food is the second biggest concern right. when we're on the road. So we do a lot of, like, researching the best food in places. Because yeah, you, your only real option is to eat out, right? Pretty much. Every once in a while, like, we'll stay in a place long enough to get an Airbnb. And, mm-hmm. But, like, not that's uncommon. So, yeah, yeah, we're eating at restaurants, usually crappy restaurants, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> But you find a few good ramen and taco stands. Yes. Yeah. Also, just like general Mexican food is something you, you can rely on mm-hmm. throughout the country, being yeah. somewhat consistent and good. And it's going to be like 
beans and cheese and tortillas. And yeah. I mean, there's standouts, but most of it's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, that I was wondering, because you, you travel so much now, is that like a fun for you? Do you enjoy being away from home and like all over the place that much? Well, I, there are times when I want to get home very desperately. Uh-huh. Um, just cause I, um, I don't, I never have thought of myself as like a solitary homebody, but mm-hmm. I think maybe the act of being gone has brought that aspect out in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I get so tired of repacking my suitcase every day. I'm like, I just want to be home where I have drawers. <laughs> I just want to put my stuff into drawers and a closet. And it, the, the upside is that when I'm home, it makes me super grateful to be there. It's like, I think it's like this fortress of wonder. And then I like, don't feel guilty at all for doing nothing because yeah, I haven't been able to relax couch. in a place yeah. for a while. Do you find that there's something, like you said, tacos are pretty consistent across the country. Something that you eat to feel like home? Like, I, when I studied abroad, I found a Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And I felt ashamed. But I would, even if I wasn't going to get anything, I would just go in there to smell it. Because it totally. smelled familiar and like home. And, yeah, what do you eat on the road when you're like, I just want to feel something familiar? I'm trying to think if there's any, like, southern food <laughs> that I seek out in other places. But usually it's like... I'll I'll just wait until I can have the better version of it in North Carolina. Right. I do I do like having coffee. I mean that's not specific to where I'm from, but it is a um just like calming experience. Yeah. Drinking a cup of coffee. And I like coffee shops most of the time. And so, yeah. And, and it's another thing that we all agree on. That's the other thing that kind of sucks about touring is we're all in one vehicle. Everything <laughs> has to be done by consensus. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like lowest common denominator um, in terms of where we eat and drink. Mm-hmm. And tacos and coffee is sort of what we've come up you with. You can always agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's important to know that you have that common yeah. ground. <laughs> So, yeah, you mentioned that you just wait until you can get back and have real southern food. What do you look forward to coming home to? Well, uh, well, this isn't real southern food necessarily, but I just love eating green vegetables when I'm home because <laughs> a lot of times I don't eat those much on tour for right? a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So I love to come home and, like, cook up a plate of chard or something <laughs> like yeah. that because I just – you don't – I mean, there we eat at some nice, like, vegetarian restaurants and stuff where you can get that. But mm-hmm. most of the time – and you can't cook it yourself. And it can't just be, like, simple. Mm-hmm. And I never thought that I would be waxing poetic about a simple plate of cooked chard. <laughs> uh-huh. But I do – I, like, think about that when I'm on the road. Like, oh, I can't wait to get home and cook up some kale. My brief experience as a musician on the road, which was in high school band. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when we took uh, band trips, which were only, like, three days – but I would eat so, so terribly. We'd be on these big charter buses. And I remember once I ate three Oreo Cakesters for breakfast. Oh, no. You know, I just, remember that. Yeah, they're yeah. just like cakey Oreo, like, hostess it's snacks. like Swiss Miss, yeah. Yeah. And um, I felt so ill mm. all day that when we stopped at McDonald's for dinner, I got one of those, like, mixed salad shakers. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. just salad in a cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I was really excited about it. Um, like, I was like, this is beautiful. Like, le- lettuce is 
beautiful. Your body knows that you need it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and just makes it into something really romantic in your mind. (laughs) Just something so fresh and a mixed salad shaker. I think one another thing that I never have really seen elsewhere or heard of people eating elsewhere that I love, although it's seasonally specific, is Mm -hmm. a tomato sandwich, like just tomato and mayonnaise Mm -hmm. and salt and pepper. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've mentioned that to people when I go elsewhere, and they're like, that's disgusting. Yeah. But that's one of my favorite. Like, when, when it's tomato season, when and you can just, like, July. get tomatoes from your friend or if you have them in your garden, mm-hmm. and just walk right in and slather some mayonnaise on there. It took me until the past couple of years to appreciate tomatoes, and that's because I started finally having, like, peak freshness right off the vine tomatoes in the summer from around here and they're so good Mm -hmm. and that's always my mom's birthday is at the beginning of july and she doesn't ever want a cake she wants um biscuits either her mom's biscuits or she'll go to biscuitville and get a plain biscuit with nothing on it Mm -hmm. and bring it back and get a like a fresh picked tomato and some duke's mayonnaise and make herself a ripe uh tomato biscuit for that birthday. sounds so wonderful right now. And now I'm re- remembering how far away we are from July. Yeah, in the depths of February. <laughs> Biscuits are another thing that I find to be really inconsistent oh, outside yeah. of the South. Mm-hmm. I mean, even within the South, there's a lot of variety of... There's there's many yeah. perspectives on how a biscuit should be. Oh, yeah. Even within a town, like, Certainly. you can get those those cut ones that are flaky or those big, massive drop biscuits. Smith like Street. Like Smith Street Diner yeah. in Greensboro. Those are as big as your head. Mm-hmm. They have huge reservoirs of butter in them. And they're very floury and dense. They yeah. taste like a bread product. I can never extreme. eat a third of one no. if I've eaten anything else. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever had Biscuit Factory in High Point? No. Really good. Reminds me of Biscuitville, but I think I like it better. Wow. Biscuitville, yeah. Just is it is it a, like a drive-through biscuit place? Yeah, yep. I'll have to check that out. I've yeah, I um, I haven't. I still Biscuitville is such a nostalgic yep um sort of pull on me because that's where I would go with my family after church, and it's also <laughs> um where my grandparents in Burlington would. My grandfather would just go and get a coffee. I'm not even sure if he ate biscuits, but, like, that was the social place to be in Burlington. And they just got great coffee. <laughs> so good. Yeah. You just go and pay his, like, 75 cents for a coffee and sit and, like, get the gossip Yeah. from all the other old men um, at the Biscuitville. And then and later, later in his life, uh, the hot spot became Bojangles. They moved. I think Ooh, because the coffee at Biscuitville got too expensive. It was a dollar. It was a dollar. It was a dollar so twenty-five. Yeah. Changed to Bojangles. My grandpa used to go to Church's Chicken. Oh, really? Yeah, because it was it was like a, you know, like fourth of a mile walk from where he lived uh-huh. late in his life, and that was about as far as he could walk. But he mm-hmm. felt like really proud when yeah. he could do that. So he would walk there by himself every morning, and it was very empowering. I think. My grandfather would walk to the Bojangles, but we really didn't like it because he crossed a highway. It was bad. Yeah. But one time he said to my uh, my stepmom, he had a southern accent, pronounced Raleigh, Raleigh. Mm-hmm. And he he just uh, came up to my stepmom and he said, you come to Burlington and I'll carry you to the Bojangles. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was really it was so sweet. That chivalry. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but so y- your parents went to uh, UNC Law School around the same time as my dad. Yeah. And both of my parents are from Alamance County. And both of your parents are from North Carolina as well? Mm-hmm. And your grandparents? No, not my grand. Well, some of my grandparents are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my dad is from um, Rockingham County. Mm-hmm. And then my mom's from uh, Madison County in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And they both had semi-southern families. They both had at least half their family was southern. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I find, yeah, what uh, do you, food do you associate with that sort of North Carolinian like growing up here and having an extended family mm-hmm. around the the Piedmont and the mountains of North Carolina. Um, we often had barbecue, which mm-hmm. is not surprising. Um, we also, I think a lot about for my mountain family. I think a lot about just like canned things and <laughs> like you know, like yeah. they're 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 very self sufficient people as a lot of people are up that way. Mm-hmm. So I think about like um, their homemade cider or their blackberry preserves or things like that. Um, and then they also used to hunt, so we would have like meat that they'd cured <laughs> like venison yeah 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 and um my mom made a lot of um my mom grew up in a children's home actually oh. and it was really traditional and they kind they like taught them the men how to farm and the women how to cook and clean oh <laughs> and i feel like they they like looked up some like good housekeeping basic recipes to every woman should know mm-hmm. and just like hammered those home <laughs> for these uh young kids at the children's home mm-hmm. so my mom had just some like really solid standby recipes she i, I remember chicken tetrazzini being mm-hmm. one of her big ones that mm-hmm. we had quite frequently growing up mm-hmm. um we always had a lots of casseroles casseroles i would say i associate very strongly with my childhood and yeah. church mm-hmm. just so many potlucks with like with so many 10 casseroles. different types of casseroles <laughs> yeah. and for christmas we always have a uh, breakfast casserole oh yeah that's What's like um sausage egg and cheese and um like pieces of bread soaked in batter mm-hmm. you know like cooked into it yeah We've, I think we've had almost that exact same th- on thing on Christmas morning before, where my mom would get Christmas recipes from other ladies at church, mm-hmm. and one of them was a sausage roll. It was, like, make a dough and then roll up sausage in it and bake it in cheese. Ah, like Which, fancy pig in a blanket. Yeah, kind of, except for sort of like a... A cinnamon roll, like it had a spiral of sausage. It was very good. That sounds awesome. (laughs) Yeah. But I do think, I I do think that sometimes when I think about Southern food, I want to say, yeah, barbecue and biscuits and pimento cheese and all of those things are definitely a part of it and a part of like what my mom makes, what my grandmother's made. But what it was actually more prevalent (laughs) is just so many casseroles. Yeah, totally. And that's, like, I think barbecue came to my mind first, not because we had that frequently, but because that's what everyone says. And Mm -hmm. it's amazing how you can adopt those narratives into your own experience Mm -hmm. when they may not be, like, wholly accurate. Right. I mean, we did have barbecue, but we, yeah, casseroles much more so. Mm -hmm. Um, And other types of 
potluck food. I don't, I'm trying to think like what are categories of potluck food, but I remember going to some friends, some friend had like a, a potluck, but it was like a non Southerner and it was like some like real healthy family and like all these little healthy kids Uh and no one ate any of the fried chicken that I brought that my mom got for me. And I was so embarrassed that I brought fried chicken and everyone else had made like bean salad and stuff. And I was like, okay, no, uh, that actually reminds me of another traumatic food story. (laughs) Please. Um, when I was – my birthday is Valentine's Day, which is coming up soon. Um, Happy birthday. Thank you. I wasn't fishing for that or anything. <laughs> but um, in fourth grade, I made cakes for everyone for my birthday. Oh. These – not cupcakes, but very small individual cakes that were heart-shaped. Oh. They were like maybe this big, like, uh-huh. you know, two, two and a half cupcakes, I would say, uh-huh. sized. That's very fancy. Yeah. And it was a pretty big class. I mean, there's like 25 people and I made one for everyone uh-huh. and I decorated them each individually. Uh-huh. I did different icing patterns and like <laughs> no. little designs and stuff. Did you have specific kids in the class in mind with you? No, de- no, no, I didn't go that far. <laughs> um, but this story is sad enough as it is. Um, and it was red velvet cake because uh-huh. Valentine's Day I thought it was appropriate yeah. color wise. And I guess that these kids didn't they just wanted me to stick with the classics or something because I went to the bathroom after I passed out the cakes. And I, when I came back, I walked by the trash can and many of the cakes were in there, like whole or with like one bite out of them. No. Like lots of people, probably one kid had done it and then the other kids were like, yeah, we don't like this. Oh, no. Like almost everyone threw their whole cake <laughs> oh away. Oh, God. That's awful. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I don't that you'd know. Give a bunch of little kids cake, and was it good? I mean, you... yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. There was nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I wonder if it was just because it was red velvet and they hadn't had it. But like red velvet isn't gross. No, it's chocolate. Cake. It's very good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I don't know what happened there. That's. But... I'm sorry for your trauma. That's okay. <laughs> Yeah. I never will forget it, though. Yeah. Luckily, I had many Mother's Days where I made things for my mom where she made up tenfold for their <laughs> lack of enthusiasm. Yeah. Just gushed and gushed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you're one of four kids, and both of your parents are lawyers. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's a hectic household. What True. Were, <laughs> what were mealtimes? Like, how did dinner happen? It was super staggered. I remember... It's actually incredible. My mom still would pretty much make dinner every night. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a very, like, meat and a bread product and a couple of vegetables kind of mm-hmm. dinners most of the time. Or a casserole. Mm-hmm. And we would just, like, filter in. And somebody would eat before soccer practice. And somebody would eat after soccer practice. And right. somebody would take their dinner to Boy to Scouts. And, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we very rarely all had dinner together. Yeah. Um throughout most of my childhood that I can remember. I had two older siblings, so mm-hmm. they were already involved in lots of activities by the time I was, like, conscious of anything. Yeah, in the scene. <laughs> and then I started doing all kinds of stuff. We were all very, um, like, we were real joiner kids. Active. Yeah. yeah. Into everything. Yeah, I remember, I, like, going over to your house growing up, because we lived in the same neighborhood. Your house seemed like, there are a few families' houses that I remember in my mind that always seemed... Not just full of the family, but also full of bunches of other kids. And I, in my mind, I classify them as pantry houses. 
Oh, yeah. Houses that had an actual pantry that you could, like, walk into and it had shelves and that were full of snacks. Mm-hmm. So mine was, I, we had, you know, we were just two kids and we didn't have friends over, like, a ton. And not big groups of friends. Mm-hmm. And we had, like, our jar of, um, like, fruit by the foot. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> were, good, were, though. were our snacks. Yeah. We had great snacks. Lots of lime sherbet. But, yeah, did, was that... I mean, maybe I was just seeing a part of it by coming over all the time. Was that how it felt? That's definitely how it felt, and you're not the first person who's told me that. Really? Also. <laughs> they remember, they think of my house in terms of the pantry. Yeah? Yeah. It's a beautiful pantry. It's always well stocked. <laughs> uh-huh. um, all credit to my mother. Uh-huh. Um, we And we also used to, like, you know, senior year, you could go off campus for mm-hmm. lunch at our high school. Mm-hmm. And we, most of my friends would come over to my house for lunch mm-hmm. because I lived, like, one minute away from school. Right. And we would decimate my kitchen. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, 10 of us would come over and have lunch every day. And after, like, two weeks of senior year, my mom was like, okay, we're going to need to have a money jar. <laughs> yeah. Everybody can put in a few dollars every day. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. So that you could restock. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I have I had – Molly Cassidy, one mm-hmm. of our mutual friends uh, from high school, told me that she used to think of my house as, like, her cheat day in terms of, like, unhealthy food <laughs> <laughs> because she never had stuff like that at her, at house. her house. And we had so such good yeah, snacks. Yeah, she seems like her family would make bean dip for a I think so. For a potluck. I think so. Bring a plate of cooked chard. <laughs> yep, totally. Yeah. Definitely a soy milk family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you said... Uh, now that you kind of like to have be solitary at home, do you, you don't find that you still kind of like to host and have a bunch of? I still do like around? to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly don't know as many people as I used to, <laughs> or well, I don't know as many people who are here. So many people right. that I knew in college have moved away or just like scattered just dispersed enough that they're sort of like it's inconvenient. You have to plan yeah. to have a get together. Growing up, I would just, like, call up my friends any night of the week, Mm -hmm. and, like, ten people would come over instantly. We all just, like, lived so close by, and nothing was going on, and... That's something that I've realized just in the past couple years is how lucky I was to grow up living in a neighborhood where I could walk to, like, six different friends' houses, and... What it and felt free to do that, mm-hmm. uh, like it didn't feel dangerous or like my parents were cool with me walking several blocks to get to friends' houses, and that my parents had friends in the neighborhood that like we would go over and yeah. have dinner with and things like that. I think I um I I've been seeking that out again. It's like I will feel yeah. like a settled adult person if I live in a place where I could. Um, just where I like know the people around me mm-hmm. and feel like comfortable mm-hmm. in each other's homes and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I think I I grew I developed sort of unconsciously a sort of like elitist um, <laughs> mentality toward friend making, mm-hmm. where I was thinking of it as like cultivating this perfect group of people that I've hand selected. But when I think about what was great socially about my childhood, it wasn't that. It was mm-hmm. like communities that were built on a shared space, yeah. not necessarily people proximity. who were soulmates. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's that that's something that's not just 
I mean, I think that's a generational thing. I think mm-hmm. that's true of so many people our age that I meet mm-hmm. all over the place. And part of it is not like a lot of us aren't part of churches and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. also, I, I do have this sense that it's not as common to just know all your neighbors mm-hmm. and go over to their houses for dinner. I don't yeah. know my neighbors now. I mean, I, I know them enough to wave to them and smile at them. Yeah. But it would be actually weird if I, like, walked over to their house and tried to come inside. <laughs> yeah, probably. Without Need to lay a little groundwork first. <laughs> yeah, I think that that sort of thing takes some effort. Like, mm-hmm. one of my favorite, favorite memories of childhood is um, when it would snow a lot, uh, the elementary school in the neighborhood, Lindley had an amazing amphitheater, old amphitheater, it was a great sledding hill that had a natural stage at the bottom that was like a ramp. Yep. And we would spend all day sledding there, and then my across-the-street neighbors would have all of these families over, and they would say, like, bring any breakfast supplies you have and your waffle maker. Uh-huh. And we'd get to their house, and there'd be a line of waffle makers on the counter and a huge thing of scrambled eggs going and bacon and sausage, and everyone would bring their various Sick. syrups. And it was just waffles. It was just like a huge, like, busting house full of breakfast for dinner. Um, I love the assumption that everyone had a waffle maker. Yeah, because (laughs) times were simpler then. (laughs) Everyone in the who had kids in the '90s got a waffle maker as a wedding present. It's true. I think. Um, Yeah, and I don't. I don't have a waffle maker now, and I wish I did. And that was really the only ever time I had fresh waffles. Like yeah, growing up, and always one of them would get stuck, like baked together, and Mm -hmm. it would be a whole thing. Mm -hmm. But that sort of um, community, like neighborhood community, is something I think, it, yeah, it doesn't just, it takes some effort. You have to kind of do it on purpose, I guess. But as a child, it, you didn't. It was effortless. Right. It's like, oh, I'm just, this is how the world works. And have, I think having kids is part of the equation mm-hmm. that helps because that's like an inbuilt reason why you would become friends with your neighbors is like right. my kids need to play with someone because i need to send them out of my house or they're gonna <laughs> yeah. drive me bananas yeah yeah I, you I, see kids playing in the park and you're like go talk to them yeah please, right please <laughs> yeah yeah maybe maybe we'll get there when we maybe it's just an age thing yeah but i have some apprehension about it like that i don't think it's going to be the same one of the things that I like about playing kind of like sweet, palatable folk music is that a lot of our friends are older people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't like that because it makes me feel like I'm like not making very cutting edge music. But in the end, I don't know how um, deeply satisfying it even is to make cutting edge music. music. And it is satisfying to um, bring pleasure to old people. Yeah, and get to, to make talk music to them that people afterward. really like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that part is cool. And I think also I was uh, when we were talking about these um, networks of proximity. Mm-hmm. I have noticed that doing the touring thing, I've developed this kind of the opposite type of network that has nothing to do with proximity and is very dispersed. But mm-hmm. I can go to people's houses all over the country and have dinner with them. Yeah. And when we're in town, there are people who are like dying to host us so we get we actually i still do get to have a lot of like great meals with people in their homes Mm -hmm. but it's just not my neighbors right people in you know california or something but that's a really cool aspect of the job i think also it has something to do with us being young because like all our parents friends across the country are so like worried about us (laughs) like 
how are you being well fed? Like, are you okay? So they people take us in and they like think they need to like nurse us to health or something, <laughs> right. feed us and give us their kids' king size bedroom to oh. stay in after the show and stuff like that. That's really nice. That's pretty great. Yeah, that's I I have found um, with my dad has played music since college and that's always been a part of my life is sort of like going to his shows and if he's traveling somewhere to play music and uh, not touring all over the country like y'all, but there is this um, sort of thing that happens where a whole group of musicians will usually do some sort of potluck. They'll have some big Mm -hmm. dinner at everyone's house because everyone's there to play music and no one is, everyone's sort of unsettled and they have these big dinners that are followed by like jamming Mm -hmm. where people from different bands are, no one's playing their own music. They're all playing, like, music together and figuring it out. And those are the, like, warmest, most relaxed spaces that I've always thought as someone sort of sitting on the edge of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that I've loved that sort of, like, well, we're done, nothing to do but, like, sing together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. Yeah, it's it's like a, um, it's like a post-meal blessing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that, too. And those gatherings are often intergenerational too, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah, that's that's something I've really come to appreciate about playing acoustic music is mm-hmm. that you can just get out your instruments together without any PA's or mm-hmm. setup or anything. Yeah, and everybody can sing together, and yeah. it's it's um, it's probably the closest thing I have now to church. Yeah, and it's very in like church, very a very welcoming. Yeah, space because I, I'm not a musician. I was the child of a musician, and I would never, you know, I didn't play an instrument and didn't like request songs or anything. But there's no like always welcome to sing along. Mm-hmm. Everyone who's in the room is a part of it. Even if you don't want to sing and you're listening, you're you feel like you're a part of the experience. In fact, it's almost negative if you're really good and <laughs> seek to make that known. Yeah. Like in that setting, no one cares if yeah. you can take a good guitar solo. Like please don't. Leave that leave that yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. You just It's kind of like at a potluck if you came in with like a beautiful like seven layer tort, then some <laughs> of the other people would be like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. We're trying to share food here. Yeah, I do, that, that you want something that's good, that everybody yeah. wants. Right. But you're not trying to outshine anybody else yeah. at the table. Like, yeah. Yeah, do you, do you have a thing that you like, I'm sort of in that note, I find that people kind of have a thing that they like to take to potlucks. It's like, this is like my voice, mm-hmm. and I want people to like it. I think people will like it. That sort of when you're looking to kind of impress people. I'm trying to think if I've had a standard one. I think I often do desserts, which is kind of lame. Like <laughs> everyone can do a good dessert, but um, not every. My my dad is an amazing cook, but if you ask him to bake or do something sweet, he like starts to sweat. He oh can't. yeah. Well, I guess baking is really specific, and it mm-hmm. is it's a if you have to be a recipe follower, <laughs> yeah. which many cooks are not. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like baking, so I often do some type of bread or cookie or pie if I'm feeling ambitious. Yeah. Pie is one of my favorite things to eat, so mm-hmm. if I have time to make something like that, I feel like that's a 
that's a worthwhile contribution. Yeah. And not too showy. I mean, it's very humble. It, it takes some effort. Yes. Yeah. But humble pie. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that it's, like, very American. Like, mm-hmm. it's just... Well, yeah, they, that, they say that about pie. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's homey. It takes a yeah. lot of effort, and people really like it. Mm-hmm. But there's something sort of um, casual and homey about yeah. pie. Yeah. I also, if I do a savory thing, I am vegetarian, mm-hmm. and so I like to do some type of vegetarian thing that's also not just charred. You know, like a vegetarian yeah. thing with some substance. I actually really like making bean salads and things <laughs> yeah, like that. No, no, no more fried chicken. No buckets. more fried chicken or barbecue for you. Which is ironic because I'm not an official spokeswoman of KFC. <laughs> oh, I forgot Just about kidding. that. Yeah, I'm yeah. not really, but yes, my band did perform on top of a giant model bucket of chicken <laughs> in the Macy's parade. <laughs> yeah, I. I went over to my um, dad's house at Thanksgiving, and there was, like, a buzz in the air. Like, you heard Mips is going to be in the <laughs> Macy's Day Parade. And I was like, what are you talking about? And we turned it on, and there you were on top of a giant KFC bucket. I didn't know at the time that you were vegetarian. Two of us were. <laughs> and all of us were certainly, like, anti-KFC in a political sense. Mm-hmm. But... Um, we just liked the idea of being in a parade, so yeah, it's very exciting. Took what we could get. Yeah, um, we did. They did initially think that Norm Macdonald was gonna be the colonel on the float, <laughs> so that would have been a little better. Uh-huh. But the guy who did it was like a lifelong colonel oh. impersonator. Oh, that's a that's a career path I've never ever yeah. thought about before. He emailed us afterward, and like his signature is like professional impersonator of Colonel Sanders. Like, that's his whole... His gig. ...thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a it's a big commitment, I guess. To... And that must have been the pinnacle of his career. Like, what more... Where do you go from there? I, I guess being in... The, you could be in commercials. Yeah. But as far as exposure of in-person... Yeah. ...Colonel Sanders uh, impersonators being on the float in the Macy's State Parade... he reached the top. <laughs> right there with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, we were a little higher. <laughs> you were up on the bucket. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but you do like to cook? Yeah. Yeah. I cook, I mean, I cook really simple stuff for mm-hmm. myself, but yeah. just the fact of being able to cook anything it seems luxurious when you can't do it for like a few weeks right. at a time. Yeah. So I just do a lot of like, like, I'm a pile of different things mm-hmm. that fit okay together, mm-hmm. like greens and eggs and vegetables and nuts and stuff like that, beans, <laughs> just a, a bowl full of all things that are workable Earthy. in one bite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm always uh, curious about what people make for themselves when they have a night totally to themselves. Like you have mm-hmm. all of these nights where you're eating out, but it's like... Yeah, you're home alone. You don't have anywhere to go. Like, do you do you put a lot of effort into that, or you, do you kind of have a default easy thing you do? I probably put more effort in when I'm cooking with one other person. Like, mm-hmm. when I have somebody to motivate me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to make... I like to make things on the... And the, um, like, one step up from unambitious, <laughs> you know, right. like a little work, mm-hmm. like like we were talking about with potluck contributions. Yeah. I like to make, um, I make doll a lot. 
Oh. That's one of my main things. The um, So I've had doll before, but I wouldn't know how to like describe it. But... It's, it's just a basically lentil dish. Um, it's kind of like stewed lentils or something, <laughs> which doesn't sound good. But it's real. It's an Indian thing, with, and when you get the spices right, it's really delicious. Mm-hmm. And I actually like to eat it on bread, like French bread, which is not part of the Indian tradition, I would presume. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I actually put a fried egg on top, oh. which I also think is my own invention. <laughs> different version of beans and toast. Yeah, I guess yeah. it is. Yeah, I'm doing a really um, – I'm actually making an interesting cross-cultural statement. <laughs> yeah, you're doing some fusion. <laughs> yeah, it's called fusion. You've probably heard of it doing a food podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, that sounds pretty delicious. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. Um, sometimes I make soups. I don't know. Vegetarian stuff can be a little boring. Like, I like to stick to my things. But even before I was vegetarian, I very rarely cooked meat because it's, like, expensive. And I want to get good meat if I'm going to get meat at all. Mm -hmm. Which, actually, I could have done and did do pretty um, well in Saxbaha because they have a butcher shop there Mm -hmm. that's, like, probably one of the best in the country and sources all of its meat from within a mile of that shop. Wow. Because there's so many farms right around there in Saxabaha. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they said that there aren't really any butcher shops that can make that claim except maybe, like, some in old world Europe, you know. Wow. Because it's just a unique thing that you'd have a rural butcher, butcher shop, shop of that there'd be caliber. enough people that want to buy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's really fast. I've walked past it a lot, and now I'm going to have to make sure to go. Because... Oh, I really recommend it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's expensive stuff, but, like, if you were going to make a nice piece of meat for people, for mm-hmm. example, yeah. that I, that would be the place to go. Like, the, you just won't find anything better. And even stuff like their bacon is, like, mm-hmm. the best bacon I've ever had. Yeah. And then they do all sorts of things that I haven't been adventurous enough to try, like pâtés and, mm-hmm. very like, meat products that I don't, I've never heard of because they weren't part of my cuisine growing up. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much. Uh, one last question that I like to finish with is, do you have a favorite uh, toast or blessing that uh, you ha- you say or have heard said before a meal? I think I'll have to go with one from my childhood, which I haven't said in years, but the Johnny Appleseed one. Are you yeah. familiar? Yeah. Which is... Oh, the Lord is good to me, so I thank the Lord for giving me the things, things I, I need. need. The sun and the rain and the apple seed. Um, mm-hmm. And at my summer camp, which was really kind of pagan, um, <laughs> we used to sing, Oh, the earth is good to me. <laughs> Either way, I like the sentiment of gratefulness. I like the mixing of the very old, strange religious tradition with uh, American folklore. Yeah, a man know? that walked across the country yeah. dropping apple seeds. Love apples. Mm-hmm. So my summer camp around. also sang that song, um, sang that blessing. But we were a sailing camp, so instead of the sun and the rain and the apple seed, it was the sun and the wind and the apple ah, seed. Ah, I see. Yeah. yeah, it's good. It's adaptable. That's the <laughs> that's great yeah. about it. Yeah, it's great. Um, well, thank you so much, Libby. Thanks for having me. Butter is produced by Ashley Melzer and me, Amy Allen. To learn more about our guest and about us, visit clarifiedbuttershow.com 
or keep the conversation going on Twitter and Instagram at ClarifiedB. And by all means, don't forget to hit subscribe. Until next time, eat what you like and say thank you. Thank you.